What is up, families? Dr. Dale, the author of How to Raise a Doctor and the author of Pre-Med Mondays. Both books are available on Amazon.com, so make sure you grab a copy there. You listen to the Black Men and White Coast podcast, a place where black male clinicians have the opportunity to share their story with people like you. I'm really excited about today's guest, but before I introduce them, let me remind you guys about the Black Men and White Coats Youth Summit. It'll be taking place on February 16th, 2019 on the campus of UT Southwestern Medical Center. It's going to be a great event. We're going to change lives, going to make networking happen, mentoring happen. All sorts of things are going to be happening there, right? So make sure you grab your ticket early. Don't procrastinate. These things are going off the shelves like hotcakes. We're already down several several hundred and only have space for about a thousand people to be there. So make sure you grab your ticket now and don't wait or else they'll be gone. And there's when they're gone, there's not much we can do. Other thing is this is going to be the last episode before we go into the Christmas break. Initially, I, I thought I was going to just push through and go through the holidays and just keep on going. But hey, you know, the, the point of black men and white coats is so you guys can hear it real. And me being real with you right now, I am tired. You know, I'm just tired. I need a break. I know when I was young, I never told anybody when I was tired. And I, I don't think I ever, ever got tired. I just went and just kept on going and going and going. But it's a different ball game now, different ball game. And you guys are the first to hear it. Dr. Dale is tired. I just need just just give me two weeks, guys, and I'll be back. I, I promise you I'll be good. I'll be I'll be full, ready to go three weeks. I'll come back after New Year. OK, full, ready to go, full of energy. But right now I need a little bit of a break. I've been. Still taking care of patients, raising money for the Black Men and White Coats Summit, doing these podcasts, running companies and doing mentoring, all that stuff. And just need a little bit of a break to catch back up with life and and have time just to really appreciate the Christmas season and enjoy it with my friends and family. And once that's done, right back here for you guys. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving you guys. Still going to be here. Right. But I'm just recouping so I can come back and give you guys my best um, what you guys deserve. Right. I want to be at my best for you guys. Let me introduce Dr. Brian J. Dixon to you guys. He and I clicked because we kind of have similar things going on. We're both black men in white coats, and we're both social entrepreneurs. He focuses more on health policy. Those are the things that kind of get him going, health policy. He does have his own company, though. When I say company, I mean his clinic. So he's a psychiatrist, and he owns his own business. So that's great. That's entrepreneurship in and of itself. But beyond that, he does social entrepreneurship. And I'm holding this book in my hand. It's called Forget Obama. Trump ignored volume one healthcare, how to lower costs and restore our collective sanity. And you can learn more about him at www.drbriandixon.com. But you're going to learn quite a bit about him from this episode here. I'll let you know right off the bat from the gutter, grew up poor, stepdad addicted to drugs, but he's still a doctor, but he still owns his own business, but He's still an author. If he can do it, you can do it. Check it out. This is Brian Dixon, I'm a psychiatrist in Fort Worth. My story seems to start off like so many other doctors who are in my position, especially black male doctors. Um, I started off with very humble beginnings, grew up in a small East Texas town that most people have never heard of. Um, my dad was involved, so my parents were divorced. My dad was involved. So I was lucky there, but um, that didn't make the effects of poverty any less striking. 
Um, we grew up on food stamps, the whole nine yards. I think we were kind of one step above welfare at any given moment uh, because my mom was very um, proud of what she was able to um, uh, accomplish and keep us out of. And I thought that was wonderful, but it didn't mean that there were lots of uh, lots of hard days. Um, one of the things that growing up, we never really went to the doctor, partly because we couldn't afford it, but also uh, partly because my mom was able to find ways to keep us from having to go to the doctor. And one of the uh, one of the books that stood out to me from my childhood was called The Doctor's Book of Home Remedies. And inside this book were lots of different um, uh, lots of different ideas of how to help with illness. And I remember. Um, uh, growing up, since I had lots of allergy issues and sinus infections, uh, I remember reading that book cover to cover, learning about all sorts of things. And I thought that that was really a really nice way of uh, empowering people, even though at the time I didn't I didn't call it that. I didn't know that term. Um, but after living through, you know, summers in East Texas with no air conditioning and no running water and um, my stepdad, who was uh, addicted to crack cocaine, um, once you live through all that, you know you got to do something different for your life, um, something better. And so I left Lufkin and went to college at Baylor University, where there weren't very many faces that looked like me, but I had a wonderful time there. And it was there that I, I ran across the quote that I now use to inspire me and to motivate me pretty much even to this day. And the quote was by Henry David Thoreau. And it goes, the best thing a man can do for his culture when he is rich is to endeavor to carry out those schemes, which he entertained when he was poor. Um, I didn't realize how poor we were until I uh, met my, a college friend who, um, took me to his lake house. And there I learned that his lake house is bigger than my actual house. Um, and yeah, you never really know just where you fit in the kind of social scheme of things until you run across other people. But I didn't let that stop me. Um, I knew I wanted to be a doctor since I was, oh my gosh, I'd say probably eight or nine. Um, because I, I, I personally didn't like being sick and I, I didn't like the idea that other people um, would feel bad. And if there was a way that we could help them feel better, then I was all for that. So um went to Baylor, mistakenly thinking that it was connected to Baylor College of Medicine. I've now learned that that is not the case, obviously. Um, and uh, it was really tough because I've been working uh, since I was 16. I worked all through um, undergrad and I didn't have the time to go and take a lot of the, you know, Princeton reviews and the prep courses and that sort of thing. Um, and when I finally sat down to take my MCAT, um, I uh, once I finished, I thought that that was one of the worst tests that I've ever taken. And I told myself, um, I'm only going to take it once. Um, I made a 25 on my MCAT and um, I went ahead and I applied to all the schools in Texas as well as um, I think a couple outside. but. Um, and I remember getting rejection letter after rejection letter after rejection letter. Um, I actually still have those rejection letters because, uh, they inspire me, um, to remember that, um, uh, there's probably a reason for everything. Um, but I got one interview, um, and I did my interview and I got accepted to that one medical school, um, the 
um, College of Medicine at Texas A&M Health Science Center. Um, had a great time there. Um, I met some amazing African-American classmates who are now amazing physicians. Um, and it's, uh, it's made even better that they're um, African-American. And so went to residency at the University of Kentucky. Um, and I determined my fourth year that I wanted to try my fourth year of medical school to try and um, complete a triple board program. So it's a combination of peds, psych and child psych. And at first I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not an overachiever. I just want to, you know, take care of people. But um, I recognized uh, during my psychiatry rotation that there were certain things that I liked about psychiatry. And then there were certain things that I hated and doing a combined program let me really concentrate on the areas that I liked, especially working with kids and avoid all the um, stuff that I, or most of the stuff that I didn't like. And so I ended up in Kentucky, did that program for five years. Um, during that time, residency is a beat down. It is an absolute um, uh, stressful um, time in your life. You sacrifice a ton. Uh, one of the harder um, things that happened while I was in residency was I actually missed the funeral of my best friend from back home because I was actually on call um, the day that uh, her funeral uh, was happening and I couldn't find anybody to switch with me. And to this day, that still bothers me. Um, medicine, um, medicine asks a lot of its people. Um, and so, but that was not my low point. Strangely enough, I, I finished that program um, uh, moved back to Texas where, uh, over the next three years after fellowship, I basically figured out that, um, I can't function in the current system. Uh, my most recent employment was me, um, in a huge multi-specialty group. And I would get called into, um, we call it the principal's office, but I would get called into the administrator's office. Uh, for essentially being a disruptive physician. Um, I was getting in trouble and getting written up for not being collegial enough, not um, asking enough questions, not uh, seeming to be, um, in a sense, nicer. And it was very strange because nobody doubted my clinical acumen. Nobody was questioning uh, my patient care. It was all um, kind of personality and, and politics. And that was really, really tough for me. Um, to the point where I, um, I remember distinctly, um, being told that if I don't sh uh, shape up, then I will be terminated. Um, this is your first and final warning kind of thing. And I cried. I mean, I boohooed. I haven't cried like that. Um, at that point in my life, I hadn't cried um, that hard in a really long time. And, uh, and so there I was, I think I was 34 at the time, 33, 34, bawling, um, thinking to myself, uh, if I can't do this, then what do I do? Um, uh, because I love being a doctor. I love what I do. And, uh, and so it, but there was a small voice in the back of my head that said, you have to quit. Um, I'm not from a, um, a family that has an entrepreneurial background. Um, I was always raised to, to believe you get up every morning and you go to work. And that work was always owned by somebody most times who didn't look like you or who didn't think like you. And so running my own business um, was such a foreign concept. 
Um, and it seemed really terrifying, but that little voice as I'm standing there, um, uh, and it, it was one of those ugly cries, like, so you're crying so hard, you can't catch a breath. Uh, and, uh, that little voice said, you have to leave, you have to quit. And so I, I thank the administrator for his comments because you never burn bridges. And I left and I started to put into place my resignation. I resigned, I think one or two months after that. And uh, took a couple of months off and um, decided to start a private practice. But I wanted to start the practice the way that I wanted to work for the practice that um, I dreamed of. Um, and so I um, did my research, um, hung a shingle, um, put my price list out there, decided not to contract with insurance companies because insurance companies um, have really, really kind of, um, skewed the way that medicine is practiced. Um, not only do we, um, uh, are we beholding to all of their random rules and regulations, um, they, uh, also recommend things or, or don't recommend things that are recommended. For example, there are times where, uh, as a psychiatrist, uh, a really good therapeutic inner, uh, inner, action is key. So sitting down and actually talking to somebody for 30 minutes is actually far more helpful than any medicine I could put them on, but insurance wouldn't pay for it. And and so I said, I'm going to create a practice where that's uh, not an issue. And uh, I did that. And over the next four years, I've built a practice where there's myself and uh, multiple other psychiatrists and it's a ton of work. It, uh, there are certain days, especially when I was first starting the practice where it felt like I was in residency again, where you're working 67 hours a week because you do everything. You, um, uh, basically answer the phones or you're, um, interviewing people to answer the phones for you, where you're developing marketing strategy and you're going out and you're talking to referral sources. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's no joke. But I knew that that's what I needed to do to stay out of that system that had killed my spirit, that had told me that I was uh, worth less because I practiced the way that I practiced and uh, I had the personality that I did. And so um, I, I, I feel that over the course of time, we need more um, entrepreneurial physicians and especially entrepreneurial physicians of color. The issue is, and uh, while I'm going out and I'm learning more about how fi uh, economics work, uh, the finances of healthcare, the finances of just entrepreneurship, there aren't very many people who look like us. Um, and because of where I came from and um, what I've been through, I don't, I didn't have those strong connections with HBCUs. I didn't have those strong connections with uh, black uh, men and women in the entrepreneurial realm. And so um, as a result, because the economics show, the research shows that uh, for African-Americans, we make less money overall. Uh, we have less access to capital. It was really daunting and really, really disheartening to feel like I was basically doing this all by myself all the time. And so um, I'm very, very appreciative of the networks uh, that I've stumbled upon, uh, including the network for uh, black men and white coats, because we need to foster the next generation of uh, physicians, especially physicians of color, uh, because we want our uh, workforce to reflect 
the population that um, that we treat. And so in in giving advice, so if I had to give advice, um, and it, most times as a psychiatrist, that's what I don't do. I make a pointed effort not to give advice. Uh, instead, my goal uh, as a psychiatrist is to create a relationship and create an environment where people can find their own answers. Uh, but if I was speaking to every single African-American man that wanted to go to medical school, my advice would be to, number one, believe in yourself. Um, uh, but mostly, as strange as it sounds, mostly to organize. Um, we live in an age where the answers are out there. We have access to all the information in the world through our uh, smartphones, through the Internet. It's all there. The key is to organize that data. And so I would say you need to get organized. It's it's great to go out and march. I think it's great to ha- uh, to do your civic duty and vote. But if you want to succeed in medicine, if you want to succeed uh, with any major lifelong project, you have to get organized. Uh, I ran across a quote by Thomas Edison that says, vision without a plan is a hallucination. And that is so true. We can sit and dream and and hope as much as we want to. But if you don't create a plan to execute, then it's all for naught. And so um, that would be my advice is to get organized. Um, and then to keep in mind that there's going to be a lot of stuff that stands between you and your dreams. Um, um, when I think back, I could have stopped when, um, I uh, experienced all the poverty stuff growing up. You know, uh, I mean, it was really tough. I could have said, you know what? I'm going to drop out of school and go get a job instead of trying to do my homework by candlelight. Um, I could have. Um, stopped in undergrad when I got a D in chemistry because I didn't take class seriously. And and this was like the regular, normal old kind of chemistry, not even organic chemistry. Um, I could have stopped then. I could have stopped when I went through the pre-med panel and they said, well, you know, with the 25 MCAT and your GPA, you probably shouldn't apply to medical school at all. I could have stopped then. I could have stopped once I got to medical school and realized, oh my gosh, this is so much work and, um, they're asking a lot of me. I could have stopped in residency when I'm in the throes of juggling three different residencies. And I run across an attending who I think literally hated my guts. I mean, he was so mean to me and uh, it was just insane. I could have, I could have quit then. I could have stopped um, once I you know, had gotten written up uh, for insubordination uh, with this latest job, employee job, I could have stopped then. But I didn't because I believe in myself. I believe that there's some higher calling that I'm supposed to uh, fulfill. Uh, I think that being part of this amazing uh, group, Black Men and White Coats, is part of that calling. I don't know what's going to happen, but if I can um, inspire anybody or if I can help guide, then that's what I'm called to do, both as a person, as a professional, as a Black man. Um, as an American, as a Texan. Um, and so uh, I hope that this has been helpful to anybody that hears it. Uh, my name is Brian Dixon. I am a psychiatrist, um, uh, specifically child psychiatrist. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an author. Uh, I'm a dreamer. Um, I am a black man in a white coat. Thank you, Dr. Dixon, for being real. Keeping it real. And one of the things that I appreciated from your story 
is the part where you talked about how many med schools you applied to and rejection after rejection after rejection after rejection after rejection. But you got one. You got one. And how many do you need to become a doctor? How many acceptances into medical school do you need to become a medical doctor? One. It's kind of like that thing they say. What do they call the student who graduates at the very bottom of his or her class in medical school? Doctor. You made it, Dr. Dixon. You made it. And thank goodness you made it because so many people are benefiting from you being the doctor that you are today. And that's the message I want the students to hear. I'll tell you, the pre-meds, a lot of you guys reach out to me and struggle and talk about having a hard time getting to medical school and want to quit. Hear Dr. Dixon's story. All you need is one. Fight and fight and fight till somebody opens that door for you and your dream can become reality. Yes, it can. Your dream can become reality. All right. So thank you for being real with us, Dr. Dixon. Thank you for sharing your story. And again, that's why you got to love black men and white coats. That's why you got to love this podcast, because everybody is so real. People don't come out here and just bragging about how great they are. People tell you, hey, I failed. I messed up. I was poor. There were drug people in my family. I got rejected. But hey, I still made it. That's what black men and white coats is about. All right. I'm very proud to be a part of this. I'm very proud to know these physicians and get to know some of these physicians who I didn't know prior. And I just hope, I pray, I pray that we are impacting the lives of the listeners. Remember to check us out, blackmenandwhitecoats.org. Sign up for the newsletter so you can get the worksheets and you can answer questions, have your kids answer questions for these shows. And so you can just stay up to date in terms of what's going on. Great episode, Dr. Dixon. Thank you very much. Going to wrap it up now. Just want to remind you guys again, Black Men and White Coats Youth Summit, February 16th, 2019. I'm going to put the link down below so you guys can register for it. And I'm going to take a little break. I told you guys I'm tired. <laughs> going to take a break for a few weeks. Going to recoup, get my energy, enjoy the Christmas break with my family and loved ones. I'm going to come back for you guys full of energy, full and ready to go. All right. In the meantime, I might start writing the book. I've been thinking about it. I'm sitting here. I've got a couple of my books in front of me. I've got Dr. Dixon's book here. I think it's time for me to start writing another book, right? So if you guys have any suggestions of what book I should write next or what topics I could hit on, send me a message. I'd love to know, right? Just send me a message. You can email me, dale at blackmenandwhitecoats.org, dale at blackmenandwhitecoats.org. Um, yeah, it's about time for me to start writing my next book. All right, guys. Love you. Pre-medical students, have any questions here for you, go ahead and send me a message, premedstart.com. Love you guys, and I will see you after the Christmas break. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Love you.